0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Welcome, global leaders, to the Global Reach Leadership Forum with Navy veteran, ecclesial leader, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Pat. Presenting you with critical leadership perspectives from the minds of former military leaders, now transforming the face of American business as successful entrepreneurs. Get ready to listen, learn, to lead. And now, to enhance your leadership influence on the Global Reach Leadership Forum, here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hello, hello, and welcome to the
1: Global Reach. Leadership Forum. I'm your host, Dr. Pat, and this is the podcast where we talk about important things that matter for leaders. As leaders, we are compelled to consider the challenges that we face in our global world as business leaders or entrepreneurs. Today, we are talking about conviction. And this is a topic, a fundamental leadership principle, first principle that leaders must know and must be conversant with so that they can excel in their leadership prowess. So we're talking today about conviction. And we all know our society today has been plagued with the confusion of morals and values. Leaders in all walks of life wrestle with all kinds of ethical conviction on when to take a stand on the right thing to do. What is the strong principle that one lives by? What is the unwavering value that one leads by? And what is the defining moment that one acts by? My take on ethical conviction before my guest shares with us this first principle of leadership on conviction is that you are probably wondering what the conviction jazz I'm talking about has to do with you. This is how we as leaders relate to each other. It is how The grand scheme of things occur. When you think of conviction in this context, you should be thinking about ethical conviction, ethical conduct. The Webster's Dictionary defines a word in one context as a strong persuasion or belief. By that, I mean considering ethical conviction as a strong persuasion or belief that proper ethical conduct is important. Especially important for a leader is that it must determine whether it's important to you in your conduct, important to you in your work environment, important to you with your people, or just plain important in the decisions that you make as a leader. You must determine from the outset of your role as a leader of your organization what your yardstick and tolerance is for unethical conduct if you are going to excel. When I use the word must in any context or throughout this podcast or anytime I say must, my reference to it is it is not an absolute, but rather a strong admonishment worthy of consideration. If you have a zero tolerance level of conviction, or maybe in this case, you have a no nonsense level of tolerance for conviction, then it is fair to assess then that you have a sound moral compass. However, we cannot really rule or guide ourselves by absolutes, can we? In this context, what I mean is that ethics and morals are two sides of the same coin. The ethical side is a term used in professional environments whereas morals suggest personal convictions. So where do you stand on this as a leader? Where do you stand on this? in your business, where do you as a leader or entrepreneur stand on ethical conviction or just convictions in general? So if you ask the question of what conviction has to do with you being an effective leader, I will counter that question with my statement of, what doesn't it have to do with your effectiveness to lead yourself? If you don't have a sound moral compass, or you don't have a sound ethical compass, how will you have one for leading an organization where you are responsible for shaping the culture and conduct of more than one to several individuals under your charge with their own convictions? I would also argue that one of the main reasons there are so many causes of problems within our organizations is because of a lack of ethical compasses or a lack of an ethical conduct within our leadership spheres of influence. We've heard of cases like the Enron case and and several others that have plagued our economic and Our entrepreneurial world for decades. There are several others that I do not want to allude to in this particular context, but you can always refer to them in your own sphere of influence. There are so many cases of unethical conduct, corruption, sexual impropriety, and and the list goes on. And it's all because of this fundamental truth an absence of conviction. So what does it have to do with you being an effective organizational leader? Everything, everything you value. And so I want you to take note of the fact that this very basic fundamental moral or ethical principle is essential for any leader to excel. So with that said, let's make room for my guest, who's gonna talk to us about ethical conviction. All right, Uh, it's exciting here. Um, I have uh, with me our guest today, uh, retired Navy Commodore, uh, Mark Scoville. Mark is a thought leader. Uh, Mark is uh, currently the chief growth officer And a board member of the Prevalence Incorporated. It's a multi million dollar defense contracting firm. Uh, Prior to that role, Mark was a corporate executive as a port captain for a marine towing company, another multi million dollar organization. He served in various capacities as a Navy leader in Korea, in Guam, and he commanded three ships and an amphibious squadron of over 8,000 sailors until his final navy tour as commanding officer of a navy reserve officer training unit in new york city it is an honor to have you with us on the global reach leadership forum my good friend mark good to see you how's everything going
2: it's going great pat it's great to see you again absolutely. Uh, too bad it took this to bring us together maybe we'll get together more Man. often than
1: the absolutely it, it is it is always it is always an honor to have great uh, thought leaders uh, with us you know mark you you are such uh, an exceptional leader in several respects uh, because of your uh, your tenacity your drive and your vision for leadership. you love talking about leadership as much as I do and I think that makes you a great candidate for what we're talking about but leading sometimes takes an understanding and a confidence in ethical conviction. And conviction is often misunderstood. It's often taken for granted in our circles of leadership. And uh, today, in uh, on on this on this forum here, I want us to just talk about that. What does uh, conviction mean to you? Because these are fundamental leadership principles that we talk about on this uh, forum. And so, I just want to bring it to you, you know, to you to ask uh, from your perspective, uh, what is your definition of ethical leadership? I mean, ethical conviction. And how did you practice that in the uh, in the military as a, as a leader? And now how do you practice that now in the private sector?
2: Well, I hope there's no difference between how I practice it in the private sector from uh, how I practice it as a military leader, at least for me. Okay. The advantage you have in the military is that we're one tribe, right? Yes. Uh, we are reading the same books. We're hearing the same speeches by the same people. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't have any trouble um motivating people to apply the ethical principles of the organization as we all understand them to be yeah um the difficult thing is um any anyone can be highly principled until it gets tough yes right and that's where the conviction comes in and and you've got to think these things through before you're challenged with um temptations of different kinds. Yes. As a leader, there's all kinds of things. It can be a financial temptation. Um, It can be a relationship temptation. Yes. It can be a um, temptation of ambition. Mm. Any any number of things that can throw you off track, you've gotta figure out how you're gonna handle those based on your upbringing and your sense of principles before the temptation occurs or you're more likely to get sidetracked. And the, um, wow. for me, it all comes down to your statement of why. You and I used to talk about that when we yes. worked together. Yes. You gotta start with why. I should put it back on my bulletin board back there. You oh. have to start with why. Um, you have to have an important why. Uh, otherwise, the, uh, the cost of it's gonna make you cry, right? Yes. So that's the whole thing. How you stay on track day after day after day is to remember why you're there instead of what you're doing or how you're doing it. Start with why you're there. And then the uh, you you will be prepared to make the ethical decisions that you have to make.
1: Wow, that is uh, that is profound. It sounds to me that what you're saying is that ethical conviction or uh, conviction, in essence, comes with who you are more than you know, the environment you find yourself in, whether you are in the military or you're in the private sector, it's more about your principles, your foundation, your right. your, your why, like you're saying. And, and that is, I think, so essential. So um, as buddy entrepreneurs are listening to this, as uh, transitioning military leaders listen to this, my hope is that they are going to understand the value of what conviction is. It's not about it's not about getting to an office or a position of authority. For you to decide what you're going to do to be ethical uh, or, or to have conviction, but it has to start with you and your why, your character. Right. So, so that was going to be my next question on whether there's a difference in the private sector um, and the military. But you did answer that. So, so with that said, uh, I I want to ask what uh, you did or what you currently do. Um, you know from the two spectrums, the military spectrum and also the private sector, to incentivize or to really pitch that to those that follow you. As a leader, somebody's Mm -hmm. always watching you. So how do you make leaders aware and let them become or put in the forefront of their minds conviction as a core value in their daily operations?
2: My pitch is... Follow my example. Okay. If you're wondering how you should wear your hair, follow my example. How should I appear in my uniform? How should I dress for work? How should I conduct myself with my peers and my and my employees? You shouldn't you shouldn't have to spend a lot of time talking about it, although you must talk about it. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to spend a lot of time on it because your example should be good enough. And if you constantly find yourself trying to explain why, although I think this to be true, um, I know I actually did something else the other day, then you probably have already lost your crew or you're about to. And I think that's the same thing in in the company. Um, The other thing I think uh, developing loyalty and conviction and common values, you have to have small, intimate conversations. Mm. That's the most important thing, and this goes back to a leadership principle of Abraham Lincoln. About um, when he wanted to know how the battle was going, he went to the front and met with his generals. Mm. When he wanted to know uh, how the casualty returns were coming in, he went down to the War Department and sat down with the Secretary of War. If he wanted to have a discussion about priorities in the conflict. He would go down there and even wait in the wait in the office for the Secretary of War to come back from a meeting and meet with him there on his ground and have these quiet, intimate conversations. And that's where the loyalty is developed. That's where the common understanding is developed. You can try to do it from a pulpit. Mm-hmm. You can try to do it from uh, the general announcing system on a ship. Mm-hmm. But it's the one-on-one conversations that you have with your team mm-hmm. that's going to commit you to them and them to you. And when you compile that with your example and your why, your purpose, you're starting to put together something that people will understand and that people can then replicate and everything that everything that they come in contact with.
1: Wow, that is so profound. So it's a package, then is what it sounds like. Understanding your why having that personal engagement, one-on-one engagement with people, and then the leadership by example, which you cannot trade for anything. I think that is very, very important. That that,
2: I can that find, mm-hmm. if, if I was looking for a computer programmer in my hand, right? I can find a thousand of them are okay. out there. Um e- even a guy who is a CEO, we can find that guy. Mm-hmm. They're out there. But can I get can I find a guy who's committed? And we'll build the relationships. The soft skills, you know what I found out here? The soft skills are harder to find. The people who are are able to develop leaders, the people who are able to fit into a team, those people are harder to find.
1: That is so true. And I think that is that's what makes us. You know, that's what that's what makes me so passionate about what I do, because I find that that is where the value really is when it comes to leadership is those right. sort of skills that are how to find. And my hope and prayer is that we are able to communicate with people and uh, get them more engaged in that. But as we talk about conviction here and as as this uh, unfolds in our discussion here, Mark, I, I'm just wondering how how that looked like for you. Um, on 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 the on on your ships, or in the people that you interacted with, uh, is there any that comes to mind right off the bat that um, either in your current private uh, practice um, as a as a, as a leader in the C suite and also as a commodore? Um, what examples come to mind of where you had a practice conviction to be able to make an impact?
2: Conviction, can you help me understand your understanding of
1: conviction? So so when I say conviction, and, and that is why I I, I asked um, about that. When I say conviction, I'm talking about knowing what to do and then and, and then knowing that it's the right thing to do. It's different from integrity, but knowing that it's the right thing to do and then actually taking action on it because you know it is the right thing to do on yeah. an ethical yeah. perspective because unfortunately we saw a lot of that um, from the previous, uh, not to be political here, but from the previous administrations, there was a lot of talk about things that were not quite ethically sound. And there was a lot of issues with that. Now, as leaders, we, it's incumbent upon us to make sure we do things with ethical principles and yeah. that takes
2: conviction to do it that. Does. It does, so you gotta believe that is right. First of all, I mean, you have to, you can't be a casual student of ethics and be a leader in business or a leader in the military. You have to have a a commitment to reading and learning about um, the different uh, systems of ethics. Uh, Christianity is one of them, natural law, all the different systems of ethics and and develop your your core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those are unifying principles for your command and unifying principles for your business unit. but then to get the other people on board, you they have to know that it's not just a, a theoretical conversation with you. It's That's real. right. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And that bad ethical decisions have really, they have real impacts. You can't tell me that the Fat Leonard uh, disgrace did not have long lasting effects on the military. Every CO that gets fired for ethical lapses Um, It has long-standing impacts on the military. But the most important thing, and it's easier for me to message this with young men. I haven't crafted my message for young women very effectively, so i got to keep working on this. But it all comes down to courage. Courage. It all comes down to moral courage. And you can tell people, you know, when you're talking to a group of young men who are World War fighters, you can say, hey, man, Sooner or later, some bad guy's going to come over the wire and you're going to shoot him. And, and I'm trusting you to do that because I know you're a person of courage and conviction, right? It's easy for them to understand that. And, yes. And But you're more likely. You are more likely, and you will see this every day, to be challenged from a principle or from an ethical perspective. Uh-huh. And when that happens, you have to be convicted to make the right decision. From courage because everyone else is trying to pull you down to their level, (laughs) right? Hey, overlook this. Yes. You know, everybody does it. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes moral courage to say, I'm going to stand out and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So for me, messaging that to, to young men is easy because even in today, as we continue to evolve, you know, um, it's easier to talk to courage with young men. So how do I message that with young women? I'm going to lean on you to help me <laughs> do that. I don't think they're any less interested in courage. Uh-huh. It's just the visual for me about how to how to teach a woman leader to, to be courageous. I think they respond to messaging a little bit differently than how I was raised and how I grew up. So, and you know, growing up as a leader in, a, in an almost all-male uh, industry, it was easy for me to divine this message, and I've used that same message over and over again for everybody. But I'm wondering if I'm missing, if I'm not, if I don't have a clever message that's designed for more people. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You, you mentioned uh, the Fettler case and uh, and how that impacted a lot of people. So uh, you know, I, I was a direct um, direct impact because my commanding officer at the time, I was his operations officer. Um, was the first guy that got uh, cut up in that in that mess, and that obviously sparks one of the reasons why we are having this podcast is because of stuff like that. You know, how does how do you lead an organization when you have uh, situations like that? And I'm glad you mentioned moral courage because that is another way of putting you know it for uh, the ethical conviction. Really, is exactly what you said,
2: right? And, and it, it yeah. does go back to why
1: the why yes right
2: so the price the if if you don't have a strong enough right why the cost is going to make you cry Mm -hmm. okay Okay? so you're going to walk away from a friendship with somebody because you did something unethical yes right that's a high cost that is that's the price of it you are going to put yourself in a situation as a leader where you are putting a good man or good woman on the outside of a decision that you're making, and you're taking your organization in a different direction, and you're leaving that person behind, that is tough, tough, tough decisions that need to be made. But if, you, and if you're there for the wrong reason, yes, gonna, the, the cost is going to make you cry, man.
1: <laughs> that is that is so true, and 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 this is this is unfortunate, but that tends to happen a lot in our societies today. Um, but. Uh, we, we are hoping that as people are listening to this now, they are making decisions based on what they're hearing, and also learning from what they're hearing because it is essential for us as leaders to to really take action on what we know to be right, and and not and not you know buck down on that. I know, like you just mentioned, my relationship with uh, you know this particular individual was strained because of that. You know, um, and only god knows how how he repays people but sometimes you have to make hard decisions to say no and 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 that can strain relationships you know but in any event what advice would you then give um a budding entrepreneur or a transitioning military leader to prevent the pitfalls mm-hmm. of exercising this um ethical conviction thing because some people don't take it seriously. What advice would you give them? I know you mentioned it's harder with the women, but we can talk about that. I, I believe strongly that regardless of whether it's uh, male or female, I think the principles are still the same. And so you're principles...
2: exactly the same. It's the packaging of the message. OK, how do you how is a message about moral courage with what the. It's just easier for me to put it in context for the audience I'm used to dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think that moral courage for for women, is every bit is important. Mm-hmm. I'm just not skillful in presenting my arguments. OK, I got to keep working on. Okay. Um, so for the buddy, not for the person who's transitioning out of the military. Man, I tell you what, if you're not principal, by, by the time you get out of the military, whether it's one hitch or 20 years, 30 years in my case, I don't know how you're going to get back on track but I believe that everybody can be redeemed, right? Absolutely. So, so um, I'm counting on it, frankly. So how, I, I think it's an opportunity to spend a little bit of time reflecting on who you are, where you're from and not ever let that go. Um, and my first role uh, coming out, working for the Tugboat Company I was the right guy for that job in many, many ways. I made immediate impacts on uh, the culture of preparing and keeping keeping things ship shape and moving constantly in direction and teamwork. But there are a lot of hard skills that they needed that I wasn't gonna be able to make an impact on. I realized that I was taking a big, big paycheck and really delivering on about half of what they needed. I had to have that conversation with the boss. And I said, hey man, I'm not very good at this. And he's like, well, I <laughs> think you're doing fine from where I sit. I it is. No, you're going to figure this out sooner or later. So um, I helped him find some new guys that replaced me. And then I moved on. Yeah. But you've got to take that. You got to. You got to step back as you're getting ready to leave the military. And uh, what did I what did I get out of this? How does it apply in the future? Because I did it wrong in my first assignment. You know, I was I was pushing my understanding of how to get a ship in great shape with a tugboat
0: mm.
2: ship big 300 people tugboat small five people i was pounding my understanding right in this a square peg into a round hole okay always so you you have to you have to step back what did i learn from this what applies what doesn't apply and i'll give you a very practical thing for people interviewing you know you got some interesting stuff in your record like in my case you know being in katrina being in a Haiti earthquake, mm-hmm. you, you get into a conversation. It's like they're talking to, they think they're talking to John Wayne or something. And then you don't get the job. And you're like, well, why didn't I get the job? Well, we're not looking for John Wayne, dude. <laughs> we're, looking, we're, looking, we're looking for a guy who can do X, Y, and Z. And you never talked about it. Well, you didn't ask me about that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to downplay many, many aspects of your military resume. It's a glamorous, to, to them it's a glamorous they've seen it in hollywood <laughs> they think it's exactly like that wow. and then they interview you and they never get to the part where how you're going to help them improve their organization mm. um integrity and ethics man you got to talk about it. i remember interviewing for one job they kept asking me like how how would you handle these sexual harassment situations and i'm i remember asking them, I said, is there a problem here with that <laughs> Because it just seems odd that we're spending this much time on that. Is there a problem here? Um, so, but back to the question is like, how do you prepare yourself for uh, the civilian world? Um, your principles are the same as they always were. What you're going to see and in in what I think in business, same with the Navy, just a totally different commitment depending on who you're talking to. When you're talking to your CEO, right? And he's saying, Hey, I'm here for the company. I'm here to, I'm here to grow this company. I'm here to make it better. Um, and then the guy's always at the lake. You can never reach him on a Friday afternoon. Um, uh, he's the only guy in the whole company with a parking spot, you know, I'm here for everybody, but I'm the guy at the parking spot. You know, I think, that, I think that you can kind of draw conclusions that is, um, this example is not where, where it ought to be. Yeah, Their yeah. idea of ethics, you know, um, making false statements and sales brochures, cooking the books on on uh, financial statements and stuff like that. Uh, that's going to catch up with you eventually. Yes, because everyone in the everyone in the company will know that that guy's a pretender, and the company has no ethical compass.
1: God, that's right. Which is quite unfortunate. So, uh, there's that segues into our, our, our you know, our next part of this because I I hear what you're saying about making sure that you're actually demonstrating what you're saying. But sometimes we've heard in recent times, and you know, in, in our world, especially in the business world, where there's been several cases of, you know, unethical things that have been going on. Um, people have have uh, have behaved in ways that is rather you know, quite quite unexpected. I mean, people don't, people are performing in a way that is not ethical, so to speak, just blatantly speaking, whether you're, you know, uniform uh, protecting the community or, or not. I mean, we've heard of several cases like that. And I don't want to mention any names to make it sound uh, biased in one way or the other, but uh, I'm sure you know where I'm going with that, but it's all part of being ethical. And it goes back to your point about being, you know, the wise, but, What I am thinking when it comes to the um, transitioning military leader or the entrepreneur is knowing exactly where the fine line is not to cross. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, I think that we need to know that coming out of the military or as an entrepreneur right now, what would you say is a fine line not to cross when you're a leader in that capacity? anything come to mind that you want to share as a, as an insight or recommendation to, um, to any leader.
2: But you just, you absolutely cannot lie and you absolutely cannot make false statements in your public records and your public statements. Mm. You gotta, you lose the company. No one will follow you. Yeah. The right. difference between, um, um, you know, at, at dinner, did you enjoy my meatloaf? <laughs> you know, yeah, I loved your meatloaf as always, you know, and a lie. You, people have to understand the difference there between something that totally changes the context of the conversation, something that totally changes their context of their understanding of you is mm-hmm. a lie. And you have to not do that. And and um if uh, you know you're editing and making different, you're editing out the truth from financial documents or sales brochures. Mm. You're totally changing the meaning of the document. You're changing the outcome of the document. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Yes. If you say I'm at nine hundred thousand sales and you you describe it to your customers about a million, you're probably okay. <laughs> you know. It's, it's probably not a lie. It's an exaggeration. You said about. You're, yeah, sitting, right. you're sitting there at 200,000. You say we had 100,000. You had a million in sales. You know, that's now you're totally, you're totally oh. mischaracterized what you're doing. I think people people cannot you cannot describe to anybody exactly where that line occurs. But I would describe it as the uh, the idea that if, it, if the statement or the written report changes the entire context, it's going to change the entire decisions that people are making based on the information you provide them, okay, uh, it's going to take them down a path they might otherwise not have wanted to go down. That's right, and it's um, that's that's untruth, and you got to stay away from that.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you st- stating that because uh, for anybody that is listening to this, I think that is clearly something that I think we can control. You know, understanding that anything that alters a narrative or alters the direction of where we are trying to go with the goals that we've planned and it's your you know that without a shadow of a doubt that it's your then you have crossed the line. And this is where ethics uh, and conviction uh, meet integrity, right? Because that's that's a line that you don't wanna cross. And, And I'm glad you mentioned that because when I think about that for a young leader, that is trying to start a business or a young uh, transitioning military leader that thinks they can't excel in business because they have no idea about what business is, but they want to make the effort. These are the basic principles that they need to come in with. It has to be part of the fabric of their character. So um, in addition to what you said about not crossing the line, not lying, uh, are there any other success measures that you would recommend? What does a, a leader, budding leader need to, you have to be successful in being an entrepreneur uh, from your experience uh, in in the uh, in, in in the towing company and your experience now as an executive at Prevalence, uh, are there any key te- key nuggets of gold that you'd like to share with us about how to be successful as an entrepreneur
2: yeah I think the the one thing that I would want to take away is this idea that business is a human endeavor mm. and I've learned this phrase, Uh, from an admiral who was discussing combat. And he would say that war is a human endeavor. You know, with a war in in combat, what you're trying to do is get in the head of the enemy's commander and make him quit, Mm -hmm. right? So in business, what you're trying to do is solve a customer's problems better and faster and cheaper than anybody else can. That's right. So in doing that, you apply the science of management, the art of leadership okay so leaderships are management science are both equally important yes and business is a human endeavor wow, um, wow it's it's human in terms of your employees are delivering a service as a human to another human mm. It's that human intention that human engagement that occurs um it's the it's the understanding your customer understanding your employees and so the way I try to capture it is to explain to people that business is, is interesting. You know, it's it's management, which is science, it's art, it's leadership, which is art, but ultimately it's a human endeavor. And you're trying to convince potential customers that you can solve their problems better, faster, and cheaper than anybody else can. So a budding entrepreneur has to have a value principle, a value um, proposition for that customer, right? He has to be able to say, and I think it all starts off with a hard skill. And I don't have them, right? So the people who founded this company had some hard skills that they sold to get their first customer mm-hmm. and sold him a service better, faster, cheaper than anybody else could. Yes. And, then, and then the business took off and the soft skills became more and more important. Yes. I think for that budding entrepreneur, there better be something that you're delivering IT services, um, consulting. Mm-hmm. There's gotta be something that you know oh. hard skill that you're selling them. And then, and then you can grow the business based on your soft skills, I think. Yes. But uh, it's all it's all down to doing it better, faster, and cheaper than everybody else can. <laughs> that is that know.
1: is so true. And I think that's that's critical for um for anybody uh to, who, who wants to do business to learn because without without that piece of it you're never gonna really excel as the leader uh because it, it is a challenge in, in in essence uh so so as 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 i hear you say this uh you're talking about making sure that you know who you know what you know what you're offering it's a human endeavor i like the fact that you mentioned that it's an art leadership in itself is an art and the management piece of it as a science that's so essential but you've got to put it together the, the hard thing that you're selling has to come with that art and the science to be able to excel. Well, I I appreciate this uh, this dialogue so much. Uh, uh, that leads us to towards the end here, and and, and what I, I I want to ask is what has been your greatest lesson that you want to share with us regarding um what to do uh, or what that you've experienced in your leadership when it comes to ethical ethical conviction? Any big lessons that you can you can think of that comes to mind?
2: Uh, you're you have to. Train yourself. It has to be reflexive. When you are convinced, when you are confronted with a tough ethical decision, you can't feel like I'm the first person who's ever saw uh, an attractive woman who's not my wife in the history of mankind, <laughs> right? You can't. I'm the first person who reached into uh, the newspaper machine and and actually grab two newspapers. It's never happened in the history of mankind, right? I'm the first guy that they left off a Coke on my bill at the restaurant. It's never happened in the history of mankind. All of these things that tempt you to make bad decisions happen millions of times every day. You can anticipate it. You have to have a pre-planned response. It has to be reflexive. Otherwise, you're going to make a bad call sooner or later because wow. you have to think it over wow. most of the decisions you're going to see are reflexive in nature now the big heavy decisions about handling people i'm all for sleeping on those but my hunch is that your gut can't. your gut decision was right the minute you heard about the problem mm-hmm. uh Arlie burke used to say the difference between a great naval officer and a good naval officer is about one second <laughs>
1: One cent. One second.
2: One second. That's right. You're confronted with an ethical decision. Decision. This check's not right. Can you take it back and order that last? You got to add that last beer that I ordered. I'm sorry. I can't take this. You recognize it instantly and you knew instantly what to do. The other guy who's merely good. Hmm. I can save five bucks. I just. Oh, well, it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So it's about that's that's what early Burke meant by that, and he meant yeah. like the guy who gets the rudder over hard when the torpedoes inbound. Um, you know, the guy who gets a a, 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 a broadside off faster. Yeah. He he was talking about that also. But the ring truest for me is that the the reflexive response to ethical decisions is something that you can plan for. It's something you can prepare for. And uh, the difference between the great ones and the good ones is about one second.
1: Wow. Great ones and good ones, about one second. One second to make an impact. One second to decide whether or not you are ethically sound in your decision-making as a leader. And the very
2: (laughs) very last point, building on that, I know we're over, I used to tell this to my watchstanders, and I think it's even more true in ethical decisions. You, you can go from the most boring peacetime watch to the most important second of your life. Yes, in an instant. Preparation. No, no opportunity for a second chance. Life and death on the line. The wow. same thing is true for your integrity and your moral, your moral standing with all those around you. Wow, it get thrust upon you in an instant, and uh, you need to be ready for it, and you can't prepare for it.
1: Wow. That is so true. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, uh, that well, my lesson learned from these before before we get to w- what you have for us uh, with your company and all that. My my takeaway from this is you've got to be really ethically sound and and and, um, and 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 really ready for your conviction day within a second of your life because that's what business is all about. If you're not ready when it happens, it's too late. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, I've, I've learned so much about, you know, um, science, art, you know, one second and everything else that goes with it. This, is, this has been awesome. So with that said, um, what would you want us to take away uh, from your company? Uh, what would you want the audience to know about your business, uh, the, the position that, that you're part of, um, and where can they find you, um, Thanks. you to learn more about your company?
2: So the company's Prevalence Incorporated. Um, we're a small defense company with uh, revenues, you know, in that 20 million range. Um, we are competing for contracts that primarily deliver training services, doctrine writing, um, classroom training, exercises. Uh, we do analytical work um primarily to navy audiences but also with the joint staff and we're looking to grow right now i'm i'm really focusing on trying to expand our presence in the surface navy that that's my wheelhouse but that's also where we've seen the mode the, the fastest kind of uh stream of new opportunities uh so we're looking there closely we'd like to do more uh in the in the joint arena with doctrine writing with uh, analytical work that type of stuff and we're we're always hiring and i'll tell you the other thing pat is that when i when i get uh my recruiting going um i'm finding that these people just are not ready mm. uh, that the transition assistance program because of covid they have not had the hand, the hands-on face-to-face contact with, with transition experts. Yeah. And so the need for transition coaches is higher than it's ever been. They're out there. Um, I offer pro bono transition help, but I can only offer you 10 or 15 minutes to pick your, pick your brain and point you in the right direction. I just don't have time for hours of it. But That's there are people out there who do. And so um, anyone who's on this call, get in touch with me. Um i can give you some tips on your resume i can give you some tips on your interview techniques how to get your how to get your face out there in more companies um, and we're willing to do that and, I, and and it's a it's really a blessing to be able to help i just wish i had more time for it well, that's awesome. us in a nutshell
1: well that's awesome thank you so much uh, mark for uh, giving us this opportunity to just hear your your perspective and your heart about uh, leadership, especially with ethical conviction. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it um, uh, from Mark. Uh, He's uh, an accomplished leader, uh, both in the surface warfare world and also today in the corporate sector. He's the chief growth officer for Prevalence and he's asking you to connect with him as mentioned. And here on the Global Reach Leadership Forum, we all about leadership growth. Uh, We are asking you to, just try to find us uh, on LinkedIn or on our website, um, as, as you heard you know, in the intro and also on the outro. Just reach out and also get the book, The 52 Essential Qualities and Attributes of an Organizational Leader, How to Transform Your Leadership Habits in 52 Weeks. We look forward to seeing you around. And don't be a stranger. Download this and be a part of it. And remember to lead the change. Take care and be well. God bless.
0: Well, Global Leaders, thank you for listening to this episode of the Global Reach Leadership Forum. If you have learned something today, please like us on Facebook. Visit our website at www.globalreachleaders.com to leave a comment or a question and share this episode with others. Until next week, remember to lead the change.